Hello, and welcome to Gwilinche Gathers, the podcast where um, a group of my friends and I talk about a bunch of things that interest us, as well as our long-running campaign of Dungeons & Dragons, which, funnily enough, that campaign is kind of on hiatus right now. Don't worry, it's not because, you know, we hate each other now, uh, at least not any more than we I've did always already. hated that. Right. Most of you guys hate me, but that's for a good reason. We don't hate you. Uh, but Say that to the penny jar, Chris. I didn't put that many pennies in the penny jar. The but... penny jar is empty, thank you. That's because you took all the pennies. Yeah, and bought human male monks. Yeah, I know. Anyways. um, But yeah, it's basically... The campaign is currently on a little bit of hiatus just because it college. has come to the end of summer... And with it comes college and school and other responsibilities, which means we're kind of a little bit divided up right now, but that's fine. Anyways, uh, my name is Chris, or Alvesy, depending on where you know me from. I'm Nick. I'm Brayden. I'm Adam. I'm Cubby. And yeah, that's pretty much everybody we have for this episode. Uh, Jake and Taylor are not here. Our special guest DJ could not be here either. So... Sorry, it's just us. We just stop talking. <laughs> Man, this is going to be a whole podcast, a voice-based format. Stop talking. <laughs> this is going to be a long edit already. Uh, but yeah, when's the episode when Cubby has to not be here? I'm looking forward to that one. Well, I hate to break it to you, Nick. Yeah, you're gonna, off. you're gonna be on less episodes than Cubby is most likely, Nick. Yeah, Mister, I'm going off to college, and I don't download OBS and stuff. But anyways, uh how are you guys doing? It's another Tuesday because we record these on Tuesdays. I don't know if that's convenient or not, but that's the day we chose. Yeah, we I just chose it cuz it was a day on the calendar. Yeah. It is here, let me let me put your your fears to rest. It is just as convenient for me as any other day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I figured. <laughs> I have the same schedule all week now. Perfect. It is. Uh, but yeah, uh, for reference, some of us are kind of job searching right now. If you listened to last episode, you'll know a little bit about that. Um, both Graydon and I are kind of in a bit of a job search. I am... That... You kind of are. Not at all looking. <laughs> well... <laughs> There are problems with looking for you, to be fair. Like, yeah. transportation. Right. I mean, to be fair, I'm not looking... If I need a job, I know where I'm going. Right. Because where we are, they'll pretty much hire anyone who walks in as long as you got... As long as you can stand, really. And yeah. that's optional. <laughs> yeah, I, I went into the first little interview I have, I've had while uh, looking... The other day, you know, you could kind of mm -hmm. tell that they they needed they just needed anybody. We're desperate. They needed warm bodies to stand in front of a register. So, uh... yep. <laughs> oh, did you go? Did you go interview where Graydon worked? No, different place. Oh. But I oh. might interview there. It sounds like a terrible idea, but I might. Um, if you do go where I was going, you make more money, and uh, it's not as terrible as the rest. That's fair. I'll let you in on the the arcane secrets after the podcast. Good to know. Um, but also this released information. There's also been a little bit of something that changed at my work, so I don't know if 
that's going to play into it or not. But that's, again, because of the nature of my work, something I can't talk about. So, right, great content right working there. Working now? The same Chris, place. tell us exactly where you're working. <laughs> Well, no, I don't know. I'm curious. I'm working the exact same place that I worked right. previously. I've been at the, the exact place same work. place. Wait, you didn't quit? No. Oh, I thought He's you quit. lining up a job before he quits. That's like you're supposed to do. Well. And also... Actually, I'm still employed. Yep. Uh, but yeah, jobs, schedules, who needs them? All right. we need is this podcast and our D&D sessions. And Fuel this for, podcast. For some of us, uh, those D&D sessions may not necessarily be around uh, completely. Right, Nick? Right. Yeah. Nick, I'm going to a... college in a couple weeks, he's so I'm not going to be home. Yeah. I don't have anything installed on my laptop, so probably can't do Discord and stuff on that. Well, I could. I just, I don't have any gaming stuff on it, so I can focus on school stuff. Mm, but yeah. Discord isn't technically gaming. To be Yeah, fair, but why would I have Discord and nothing else? This podcast. And to be fair, there are there are reasons why Nick probably should uh, focus on school stuff, but again, not going to get into it. We're now five minutes in, and this is the section of the podcast where we think about things to talk about. Yep. Ooh. But we're not gonna... I have something. There's an ooh there. Yeah, uh, but we have our sec our uh, little segment from last time that we can bring back. The Adam update. What? Adam, how are you doing? Oh no, uh, <laughs> I'm doing pretty good, and I'm excited because I'm I have plans with friends tomorrow. Nice. Uh, nice. We go, we go to uh, a fair that's happening around. Mm -hmm. And yeah, my that's a... one of my friends likes to drag me on to rides that I don't quite enjoy going on, but it's yep. fine. Understandable. Yeah. Very I, understandable. I, <laughs> I puked on one of them a few years ago. Nice. That was fun. Uh, did you have a heart attack, almost have a heart attack on the, I forget what the name of it is, the one that spins around the UFO? No, oh. they don't have that this year, which nope. really pissed me they off. They don't? I like that one. The zero G, yeah, yeah, I love that one. No, the one I was on was uh, skydive. The skydive, it's like a Ferris wheel, but from hell. I don't think oh, I've yeah, ever been I on went that. on that one. I love that one. I went on it with Cubby, <laughs> your resident forearm strength guy. So, for clarification, um, this is a Ferris wheel where they strap you into a metal cage, and this cage faces forwards and you have to have two people one mm. on either like end of it it's like a bench and it spins like a barrel roll kind of spin oh. like like left and right um the problem with it is that there is no like mechanism controlling where it spins or how it spins so it just spins freely well there is a mechanism <laughs> shut up i'm talking <laughs> so the problem with this is Cubby is a large 290-pound man. I'm 200 pounds, thank you. 290-pound man. 200. I am a small little, like, 130. So we were, what, I'm going to guess 4,000 feet in the air? We were maybe 50. 4,000 feet in the air. 
And he was on one side, I was on the other. We he were was both on my side. Facing down. And I was looking directly at the ground the whole time, <laughs> praying oh. for death. That, and there's a wheel in the middle of this cockpit that if you can move your own weight, which I can move both our weights, then you can spin yourself even faster, which me being an asshole most certainly did. The main problem with this is that they have to like load people on one at a time, mm-hmm. which means that at one point they had us at the apex of the wheel, just sitting there, not moving. Meaning he was squishing me, so I just turned us right ways and then he freaked out, so I let us go and then we squished <laughs> me again. Nice. So this sounds like a mix between the Ferris wheel and the Tilt-A-Whirl, which sounds yeah. great. Because Mixed with the zipper. Yo, yeah. I thought it was great, but that's just me. Then again, the uh, Tornado one, that was pretty good. I like the Tornado. The Tornado was cool. You also like the fact that I can get us going fast. Well, because but... it's like the teacups at Disneyland. Oh, Which I the... rode exactly once and actually made me the most sick out of any ride there. Nice. The tornado is the... That's like the one that sits you kind of diagonal, right? It like... So you're in like chairs of four all pointing (laughs) at each other. Yes. And there are a bunch of them. Um, And there's a wheel in the center and it spins your chairs all around like in a circle. Yeah. And then you can grab the wheel and spin it yourself to spin you in another like axis. Mm -hmm. Basically, we just had Cubby grab onto the wheel and whip us around. Which worked out quite well, because, yeah. You guys just kind of sat there like ragdolls. It was hard to do much of anything else. Yeah. And I felt bad, because I don't think it was supposed to be that fast. I'm going to be honest. I don't think the ride operator, who's paid probably like nine bucks an hour, cares. No, he didn't give two shit. Um, And nine bucks an hour is actually below minimum wage here, so... I'm not going to make that joke. The statement probably still stands, to be fair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, but man, hearing about that, though, reminded me of the Tilt-A-Whirl existing. Oh, I love the Tilt-A-Whirl. I love the Tilt-A-Whirl. As a kid, that was, like, the number one ride. It absolutely. That and the uh, Zero-G, the the one with the blue, the blue, like... You the one that just one. spins you around and then you don't know which way is up and which way is down. Yeah, it spins yeah. you around and you lay against the uh, little padded, like, rail. And if they let system. you, you can go in the air. Um, or you can stand up. Oh, yeah. I saw one dude literally standing on the wall on that thing. Yeah. Yeah. That one... I was very confused and very impressed. I'm not such a big fan because that one, I think once... The last time I went on that one, it, like, collapsed my chest, which sucked. I was just like, my ribs were being pushed inwards into my body, and I'm like, no thanks, I'm done, this is is awful, I'm leaving now. That's fair. But the Tilt-A-Whirl, on the other hand, once when I was a kid, uh, I'm pretty sure I ended up going to the Tilt-A-Whirl eight times in a single day. Not like, not necessarily eight times in a row. I think I went like, in sets of like two and three. And then later on, like, an hour or two later, I'd just be like, I'm going to ride the Tilt-A-Whirl again. And then I hopped back yeah. on. I was I was the kid who would, like, get off the Tilt-A-Whirl and then go right into the line, mm-hmm. like, nine times in a row. And, like, it'd be so bad, my family would be like, no, we got to go do something else. 
See, I like the uh, zipper one, but Graydon didn't like that one. I'm not doing that. He refused. I've done it twice in my life, and I'll never do it again. That's the one I puked on after my friend dragged me on it twice in a row. I was uh, starting to feel weak. Understandable. Dude, I like that one. I don't care what you idiots say. I was starting to feel woozy, but I didn't want to decline my friend going on Wait, it again. That's what. That's how Graydon got on the skydive. I was freaking out. But then there was uh, ladies behind us, and he said he can't chicken out. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah, with that one, I was luckily about equal strength with my friend, so I could try and keep the <laughs> wheel somewhat straight while he was trying <laughs> to spin it. <laughs> we were fighting through for control the whole time. I love the idea of competitive skydive. <laughs> Yo, that actually sounds like it could be kind of fun. But it was more me being scared and trying not to spin at Mach 10. <laughs> Adam was functioning on adrenaline. So, Graydon, you want to try to fight me on it? No. I want to never go on it again. We got to have, like, that's like, because, you know. Like, the rest, WWE and stuff has been around for years. It needs something new to spice it up. Why don't we put wrestlers on carnival rides? Wouldn't that yeah. be, like, the most interesting matches ever? Yes. Just two people decking each other in the face on the zipper? Yeah. And, like, or, like, two wrestlers standing on top of the bears that spin around and just leaping from bear to bear. <laughs> or, or, but, like, expert paintballers on the Tilt-A-Whirl. Well, like in different carts, yeah, and they have to try and shoot each other. That would be fun as shit. <laughs> that would be good. Oh man, now I want that to happen. Yeah, yeah, me too. That'd be awesome. That's one of those things that somebody with like that just has like billions of dollars to spend on stupid yeah, crap, uh, can just like probably just will make a video in like a year. Like I held a paintball tournament at the fair. And it only cost me like eight million dollars or whatever, and it's just like okay, five hundred thousand dollar prize. Yeah, <laughs> and I got all these YouTubers to do it. Yeah, sounds like someone I've heard of somewhere. Huh. Not, not... It's almost as if that sort of person already exists. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't saying the person didn't exist. I was saying that video will definitely exist now that the idea is okay. out there in like no time at all. Because you know how this podcast is. Right. You know how this podcast is, too. We're up to, I believe it's 45 yes. listens total. Um, really? Not, not including metrics from today. So, again, a huge thank you and a huge shout out to everybody who's listening so far. You're awesome, even though oh. half of you are us. Um, well, thank you for not having anything better to do. Yeah. Well, when you're driving, you don't really have that many options. Yeah. That's a valid point. That's. I listen to it. When I'm driving and mowing, I listen to the podcast, so. Yeah. I don't know if you heard, but uh, the first time I listened to my voice when we were testing for recordings, mm -hmm. um, my only reaction was, uh, I hate that I sound like I work in the IT department. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a weird... Uh... I haven't heard my voice in years, and I didn't used to sound like this, and I hate it. Nick, what was it you were saying? Because you got totally cut off by, you know, you being loud. We were talking about how people listen to podcasts while they're driving. Update on my car situation, I still don't have a car. Nick still nice. doesn't have a car. Just wanted to throw that out there. Three weeks later, after the first episode, still no car. Yep. Why do all of your car repairs take, like, two years? Because it's the same place! 
Why do you use that place? It's the only place that can do it. Why? So we have to go there. They don't do it because they don't. They don't have the equipment or something. I don't know. I don't know cars. I, I know like some crackhead. Probably somewhere else that has it. There's somewhere else, but my dad doesn't trust them because they did bad work on his truck. So we went to this other place. There's more than. Two. How many times have you had to go to this place though? Twice Cubby. now. Cubby, it's to be totally honest and to defend Nick. Yes, there are other mechanics out there. We live next I door to one. If one could do that work, we would have gone to them a while ago. It is serious problems that need to be taken care of. It's not just a, oh, just bring it to a mechanic. We've tried this. We don't need your input about where to bring it. There's so many problems with it. Like, I don't have the full list There's of it. One problem. There's one problem. It's the, something is unaligned or something, and apparently that's difficult to do. Chris keeps saying there's so many problems you can't list them all. There's one problem. Mm -hmm. There's one problem that it's there for. Yes, the reason is, Nick, if I just say there's too many problems to list, even if that's a lie, that at least gets the point across that it's not worth talking about. If something's unaligned, I don't know. That's what I did. Great. I mean, my car has too many things to list, and I can still list them. Right. Uh, namely, the frame is rotting. Yeah. Uh, rotted. Uh, as in, like, give it a year or two and it won't exist anymore. My yeah. car's great. Your car doesn't have working AC. Okay. That's besides the point. And it's a standard. Okay. That's not it's something wrong with it. That's something amazing with it. No, get with the times, Grandpa. No. Standard is my anti-idiot, um, thing. But you're an idiot. Yeah, not when it comes to cars. Well, I mean, you drive a standard. I get better gas mileage. No one can steal it because no one else knows how to drive it. Except for anyone with a standard. Yeah, I don't think the tow truck is going to come to steal my car. It's not really worth enough to. You know, criminals can, like, buy tow trucks, right? Actually, that's a really good way to steal cars. <laughs> don't do that. Yeah, don't don't listen to us. Although I you think... not condone Grand Theft Auto unless it's the game, in which case that's pretty cool. Ironically, I'm pretty sure that that's, like, one of the first missions in Grand Theft Auto is get a tow truck and illegally tow people to steal their vehicles. Anything have anyone, any, any... Yeah, I was gonna say... Anyone have anything else they want to say? Anyone have any funnies? Any, any good things to talk about? I never I'm, have funnies. I'm putting a chair together. Yes, we know. That's amazing. Tell us about wheels. that. Uh, so I realized that the seat was backwards, so I had to take it mostly apart and put it back together. So there was that, but that's fixed now. Mm -hmm. Mostly. I had to tighten some bolts. Uh, there's no AC in my room, and I work up a lot of heat very quickly, so I'm very warm right now from turning an Allen wrench. Mm -hmm. What? And <laughs> now I'm holding one of the wheels in my hand and just spinning it with my thumb. This sounds like robotics, circa when I was there. Yeah, yeah, that's of. that's pretty much going on. Because that's all we did most of the time. We built a prototype, and then did it wrong, and then rebuilt it, and then we did that for about three weeks. This reminds me of destroy, build, destroy all over again. Yeah, it was. Who was that's it that had that? What we did. Who was it that we had that conversation? It was. I know Jake was there. Was it? It was. I can't remember who else was part of that conversation, but I totally forgot that show existed until he, like, 
reminded us about it. I forget about it until it's brought up, and then I'm like, I remember exactly what that show is. Yes. Still don't know what that show is. Well, somehow that doesn't surprise me. We need to keep a tally of how many things Cubby actually does know about, rather than doesn't know about. It'd be... yeah, that's fair. Because there's a lot of obscure media that we could bring up. That Oh, absolutely. Something hey, that... I know about old shit. That's fair. Something that Cubby does know about, probably, is that I have a uh, a YouTube channel at A-L-V-E-S-I-E underscore S-P-R-O-C-K-E-T, uh, Alvesy Sprocket. Um, I realized I had a funny story to tell that I've been keeping a secret, not on purpose, but on accident, for like three weeks. Not so, really? um, yeah. So, I, I released a video about three weeks ago. Uh, and it was called uh, Half-Life 2, G-Man's Secret Speech. Um, and it was basically a one-minute-long video of uh, the G-Man doing the introduction to Half-Life 2. Um, and I uber-ducked a voice clip into the video, into, like, the middle, because basically, if you've used uber-duck before, you'll know that sometimes you can completely break it, and it will just create, like, a 30-second... Uh, clip of the voice just making incoherent babbling and breathing noises. Um, everyone's favorite. So it was like a it was like a nothing video, of just like a minute of G-Man babbling and breathing into the microphone and talking about giving Gordon Freeman a gift. And I got a, I got a comment on that video. You know who the comment yeah. was from? No oh. idea. The guy who made the voice on UberDuck. That specific voice. Huh. Yeah, that was, like, the most neat thing I had ever seen. I was like, wait, how did you find this? <laughs> and he was like, this is exactly what I made this voice for. <laughs> I, think I, I think I still have the comment. Yeah, here it is. Um, so he commented, uh, thank you to, this is Scruffy SFM, by the way. Shout out to him. He's the one that actually made the voice. It, and he just commented, like, any... Because I put a, uh, like, thank you to him in the uh, description. And he responded, anytime, G-Man's voice is actually my worst. Um, and he just, like, talked about, like, how, the, like, the breathing noises just kind of mess up with uh, UberDuck. And it was just like, well, it's better than anything I could have made. Also, it's very cool to just have you here on this video, just out of nowhere. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Because that's like, you know... Some of that stuff on UberDuck is, you know, I have no idea how to actually use it. Uh, like, how to make yeah. voices. People submit voices to it. That's, like, that's way more talent than I have in any right. amount of capacity. And anything I can do in my life, they, they have more talent in that. Yeah. That's, like, yeah. It's one of those things where no matter where you go, you're going to find people that are better at something than you are. But... This was this was more just a humbling, this is awesome, thank you so much for seeing this thing, than any, like, oh, I've been disheartened and broken. So, yeah, thank you to that guy for making that. That's very cool. That's actually pretty neat. Yeah. I thought it was. That's why I was going to bring it up, like, two episodes again ago, and then I totally forgot that it happened. Forgot. Yeah. Understandable. One other thing I want to bring up is... If you guys look in the general chat for Campaign 2, you'll see I've posted two pictures there. Yes. 
Um, so, these pictures, especially the second one that I posted there, can you explain to me what's happening in that picture? No, I looked at both of them, and <laughs> I all I could understand from it was potato chip? Yeah, so, for the viewers out there, we have two pictures here. One is the whitest man in the universe holding a what seems to be a barbecue ruffled chip in the same hand as some card um, at a, t a terribly messy table. The second picture is some sort of orb floating above two other cards on the same messy table. This is Amazon's top choice for card sleeves. This is what it recommends. <laughs> Are these two pictures? I'm confused. So I never realized, yes, this man is very white. He's like iridescent. I feel like you. think he's trying to demonstrate that the that card doesn't it get greasy. Grease, but that's just a weird way of doing it. You're just showing that it can be touched with greasy objects. Yeah. <laughs> Watch as I... You're not proving anything. And this one's just showing that it can get wet. But I don't even know if the card is wet. There's just like... There's some sort of orb on the left Looks that like doesn't... a water bottle. Yeah, but like... There's no water coming out of the water bottle. It's just putting no. this... Putting this water bottle on top of it. There's there's a water two, dot. There's a water two, droplet next to the two card. Two droplets of water on the card sleeve. But I guess by the way they're just sitting there, that technically that works. Yeah. But that doesn't explain the potato chip yeah, no. in any way, shape, or form. Although now I want potato chips. Terrible. You're the one who smelt your armpit and said, that smells like ramen. I want ramen. And then proceeded to make ramen. Chris, cut that out of post. <laughs> Do not cut that out. <laughs> you were I'll, saying, Chris? I'll see how I feel. Um, I don't know. The In the first picture, it kind of feels like the guy's, like, doing some sort of weird science experiment of, like, oh, yes, I shall now, uh, expose the subject to subject A, potato chip. Let's see what happens. <laughs> um, or he's going to accidentally bite the card instead of the chip, which is 100% what I would do on accident. Just take everyone, a big everyone has had the experience of getting too excited while eating something and then eating the wrapper that it's in. Yeah. <laughs> I've done that. Um, wow. We are... Let's see. I just wanted to say that we are three episodes into this and we've already run out of things to talk about in the beginning section. Yep. <laughs> That's why we just play D&D because &D, we're boring people. Um. Okay, Nick. How's Skyrim going? It's pretty good. I finished Thieves Guild. Nice. Uh, I'm playing an orc that does backstabbing, so I can do like 60 times damage if I want. Nice. My favorite pastime is backstabbing dragons and one-hitting them, which is pretty mm. cool. Uh, that's it. Still haven't gone to see the Greybeards. Me neither. Uh, yep. I haven't even got my first dragon, actually. I wanted to use shouts because they're fun. Uh, yeah. yeah, never beat Skyrim before. Not Me sure neither. if I t intend to do it. Me neither. I uh, spent most of yesterday uh, smithing 
iron daggers as you do. Thing is, it's based on value now, not just like quantity. Yeah, no, it still works. I crafted about a thousand iron daggers. But you can just go to like Coalscaker Mine and get a bunch of gold. Part of me wonders what would happen if you two like just started playing like an MMO where that's all you do is the slow menial building and grinding of skills. I feel like we that never... would That would occupy their brains for way too long. Yeah. We'd never leave the first area and then we'd be able to nope. one hit all the enemies and then we would never progress past that. See, but that's and not we even would just get exponentially it's stronger. Saying, there's an anime for that. There's an anime for everything and it's an isekai. Uh, isekai are terrible. Oh, I just like them, thank you very much. Uh MMOs aren't my style, oddly enough. But I do like numbers getting bigger, but if there was so I'm gonna say something very weird, um, but if there was an anime or if there was a MMO that was like Skyrim, I would super play it. And when I thought that at first, I was like, "Oh, there is it's Elder Scrolls MMO." I was like, "Well, no, I want an Elder Scrolls MMO that's not Elder Scrolls MMO." <laughs> what do you mean by that? Like, a game that's not Elder Scrolls Online, or a game that's uh, not in the Elder Scrolls no. series? No, like I if Elder if Skyrim was multiplayer, that would be awesome. Elder Scrolls Online is not fun, in my opinion. There is a Skyrim mod that's uh I think it's is it Skyrim together? Yes. Something like that? Yes, it is. That is Skyrim multiplayer. And it's Real? very it like glitchy. Good? It's very glitchy, but I mean oh. you can get past that. Huh. That would definitely be worth us uh trying at some point. Absolutely. To, we'll add it to the list. The list, which actually uh, has been not shortened, but explored. Because we played Left 4 Dead 2 the other night. Was that last? Yes, no, yeah. that was the night before. That was a lot of fun, just hopping back into that. we got to play more games like that together. Yeah, I like Left 4 Dead. I, just, I can only play a level or two at a time before I get bored. Yeah, that's fair. But it's great to play in, like, short bursts. Yeah. I'm not sure if I made it clear in the video, but I was playing with a bunch of mods on. Yes. Uh, which included making all the zombies uh, into the Flood from Halo, which is really cool, because like, all those special infected were different kinds of Flood. Uh, a lot of my guns were Halo guns, and same with the melee weapons. And the Fire Axe was replaced with the Marauder Axe from Doom. Uh, so I... everything was Halo except for one thing, which was Doom. And the axes were very common. There were a lot of the axes, and the texture wasn't great. So I saw them a lot. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I gotta say that I think my mod that I accidentally had installed was way better than any of your mods. So I win. That's fair. My mod was the best. Yeah, you didn't play it modded. No, I did not. That's the joke. Um, but yeah, so. The only mod that I had installed, purely on accident, because I completely forgot I had installed, was change the end game music from the Left 4 Dead score to Under Pressure by David Bowie and Freddie Mercury, which uh, <laughs> turns out when you're recording a video, that's the last thing you want is, you know, a well-known song that can get copyright claimed. So, uh, yep. <laughs> yeah, it's a good I thing. It's a good thing that we were able to speak over it because I definitely wouldn't have been able to do anything with that video. Could have edited it out. Uh, 
that's not as easy as it sounds. Hmm. You don't just edit music out of the background. That's not how it works. No, just edit that part out. Yeah. Put out game audio. Um. Also, my uh, game froze at the end, so this the car was just kind of floating in midair for like a solid fifteen seconds, which was pretty which was pretty funny. But you know, that's what happens with you know terrible internet connections, like what we have. Right. Maybe Cubby can join next time. So we actually have four people. Yeah. Maybe. So I'm not trying to kill Rochelle to leave her behind. Listen, well, I my sister texted me and said, hey, you want to do a movie night? Sure. But we already said we were playing Left 4 Dead that and night. And they tried to pull me out into there, and I didn't. Yeah, Raiden literally was in the same building as you and didn't join you because he was playing Left 4 Dead. Yes, it's not Graydon's sister that I haven't seen it. He was very, very long time. time. If I hadn't been playing Left 4 Dead, I would have come out. Yeah, right. Also, if you guys are doing literally anything other than watching a movie. I don't like movies. Huh? I said you don't like movies. No, I do not like movies. I can't stand still during a movie. So, I totally nope. understand. No? I can't do that. See, I'm right with you. Oh, I on thought you were saying that. that. On the other hand, I slept through the entire movie, so I felt even worse, but... Yeah, I just... I just cannot sit through a movie nowadays. I'm just like, I need to go and do something else. I need to go focus would, on something else. I always feel bad when I watch movies with people because, like, I can't focus on the movie. And then I start thinking about stuff, and then I check my phone because there's stuff I need to look up. Nine times out of ten, it's D&D or magic related. Mm -hmm. Okay, eight times out of ten, it's, it's magic. No, it switches between... Depends on what I'm interested in that week. I think the big issue I have with movies right now is I've been watching way too many YouTube poops right lately. And so whenever I sit through a movie, all I can think of is just like what I would edit into a certain scene. So we were watching a movie last night, for instance, and all I could think was like putting Yoda in next to all the main characters because they kept saying things like, this leads to this, and then this leads to that. And <laughs> every bone in my body was like, I must have Yoda next to them saying, anger leads to hate. Hate leads to the dark side. <laughs> Just in the middle of the movie. That would have been perfect. What movie was it? I don't know. It was some... It was on pay-per-view. It was... It was like a Catholic-themed horror movie with Jeffrey Dean Morgan. I don't remember what it was called. Oh, man. It, if it, I knew actors, I'd probably know what you're talking about. It was... Also, if you knew, if you knew The Walking Dead, you would know. Don't know either uh, of those, so... The movie was called The Unholy, because I spent a solid, like, 30 minutes trying to make a funny joke out of the name of the movie. But <laughs> I could not. Despite my best efforts, I could not come up with a different name for it. Chris, the movie was about the Virgin Mary. Yeah. That is the joke. Unholy. Right. Get it? Yeah. It's funny. Not I'm really. I don't even understand what the joke is supposed to be. I am hilarious. It is a funny joke. Incoming mm, spoiler alert. joke. Incoming spoiler alert for the unholy. If anybody cares, make sure to deafen yourselves now. Nobody gives a shit? Cool. Uh, uh, nope. Say it's about satanic uh, uh, possession of a person who thinks they're seeing... Mm -hmm. They're seeing some holy ghost, and instead they're seeing a Satan person. That's it. 
That's it. Yeah, they they the uh, Satan uh, the Satan form takes on the form of Mother Mary, and thus they think they're speaking to Mother Mary, but instead it's some ghost named Mary, which is a bit of a Deus Ex Machina, but whatever. Huh. I think that's you Deus know what's a really you know what's a really good uh, horror kind of horror movie that no one talks about. Has anyone seen Horns with Daniel Radcliffe? You mean Harry no. Potter? Well, it's Harry Potter, but no one's seen that movie? No, I don't watch Harry Potter movies. It's not a Harry Potter movie. It's just got him in it. I've never even read Harry Potter. No, same. They are really okay. The books are much better than the movies. Oh, no. Actually, I shouldn't say anything bad about the Harry Potter fandom. Why? They'll come for my throat. Just directed all the... Just directed all the... Uh, what's her name? The J.K. Rowling. J.K. Rowling? Yeah. Everyone what hates if, her now, so it's what fine. If, what if right. turn, what if, everyone hate J.K. Rowling? Because they ruined... She ruined her masterpiece, according to them. What if we turn all this... She's, tra- she's like a transphobe and stuff. Yeah. What if we turn oh, all that this... Too. What if we turn all this negativity into positivity at books... No, I'm not gonna bother with that. I was. I'm just gonna say Percy Jackson beats Harry Potter. Fuck anybody. Definitely. Yeah, one hundred percent. The Lost <laughs> Hero is also a wonderful uh, follow-up se- series. Those books is A-tier. that the one with the Romans? Yes. Okay, then yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's okay, not better than than no. the uh, Percy Jackson, but it is a great continuation no. for for when you get older. Yes. Especially since it has the same characters in it, but more. Right. Well, the first one is a new character, is uh, one new main character. The second one is Percy Jackson. But what? dumb. No, not dumb. No, he's dumb. But am- he has no memory. Yeah, but amnestic. And now in the Roman camp. Is amnestic a word or is that a cubbyism? No, it is. Amnestic is a word. Okay. Yeah, that's what Sounds they- like a weird word. That's what How would you describe the state of having amnesia? He has amnesia. Amnestic. He is amnestic. He has amnesia. Yeah. He is amnestic. Same freaking thing. That's one's what... the condition, one's the victim. That's what the SCP Foundation yeah. uses. Amnestics. Yep, amnestics. Where do you think I learned that word? Yep. <laughs> Man, I'm glad we're all on the same page. Yeah. You yep. preach to the SCP Foundation. What cool stuff. Yeah, they're pretty great. Uh, they're terrible people, by all accounts. Well, that depends. Hey, they protect us. The Foundation yeah. is terrible people. The people who actually write the articles and support the website, like the actual like, actual people, gods. they're they're wonderful people. But, yeah. Shout the, out the one dude who decided that uh, a baby launching catapult was the way to go, because he was 100% right. Okay, fair. Some of the stuff on that. What? What is this? There's one that launches small objects up to the size of a baby <laughs> at high speed walls. What is? Which sounds terrible, and it is. But I can't stop laughing. Okay, this is a segment we can do for the funny haha podcast. This is interesting. Let's. What's your what? favorite SCP? What is? That your... Oh, that's a terrible idea, Chris. Well, favorite is in. One you know the most about, or favorite is in one you think is the most funny. Which one do you enjoy the most? Yes. Because in my mind, the absolute experience I got from learning about the tiny catapult was the best. Because at first it describes it like, oh, tiny like acorns and stuff. And I was like, oh, it's just one of those like nice ones. 
And then it was like, it can also be known to launch babies. And I was like, oh my god, I love it. Not a good reason to love something. No, but, but it was funny. <laughs> Speaking of I mean, funny. not launching babies. Don't kill babies. Yeah, don't kill babies. That's a bad idea. Don't launch I don't think that's something we should have to say. Well, you never let's know. Never anyway, know. Let's you never take, know what you have to say. Let's take the controversial opinion and say, don't kill babies. Yeah, right. You know what's hilarious to me? So, what? the um, I just logged on to the SCP Foundation site, just for fun. And I guess on browser they have a new, I don't know how new it is, but there's like a new um format to it where you have to like press like, warning, this is classified information. Are you sure you want to access the site? And you click like access and it's, then you put in your password, quote unquote. Um, That's adorable. And you can type in anything and it works. Uh, I typed in, let me just double check, JK0JJIIJ. Um, and Google immediately popped up and said, hey, do you want us to save this password for you? Oh my god. <laughs> There's no username. It's just like, hey, you want to save this password? Well, because it's a password field, yeah. so Google's like, I can save that for you, if you'd like. Yeah. Did you let it save it? No, I didn't let it save it. Uh... I, I did take a screenshot of it, so I have that forever, but... Uh, but yeah, what is your guys's? favorite SCP at the the time of recording this? Uh, that's a very hard question. Graydon, go. Adam, go! Uh, I don't really know. Uh, yeah. I honestly have forgotten half the ones I've read about. Yeah, me too. So, there's nothing that is really standing out at the moment. What about one of the ones from, like, the campaign we did? Oh, we should talk. Yeah, so just for reference, we did a whole, like, two or three part one shot in D&D in 5th edition, where I put them through the foundation, uh, and they were up against a bunch of SCPs. It was very cool. Um, it went very well, and everyone made good decisions. Yes. Like my character's name. Mm -hmm. Yep. I feel the awkward silence. His character's name was Ledass. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> L-E-D-A-S. It was an amalgamation of things I could wild shape into because I was a circle of the moon druid. Mm -hmm. Point is, it was a very good campaign and very atypical for a D&D campaign. And it had a twist ending, too. Yes, it did. I still got to submit my SCPs. I should do that at some point. Probably a good idea. Anyways, I have thought of my favorite. So my favorite... Okay, I'm going to start with my runner-up favorites. My two, I have two runner-up favorites. Because I, I could go into like my top ten, because that's a long list, but I'm not going to. My third, my first runner-up is like SCP-5, like it's in the 5,000s. Let me see if I can even find it on the site. Um, but it's the, there's a Skyrim SCP that I am just, right. I am just in love with. Yes. There is a uh, SCP that is basically an a Skyrim STD that means you have to live through the entirety of the video game Skyrim whenever you uh, uh, sploosh. Orgasm. I was going to leave it at sploosh. I'm going to keep oh. with sploosh. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is such a dumb idea that it's my favorite. Uh, one of my favorites. That's my runners-up. 
My other runners the up. The scary part about contracting that is if you're like me and Nick and never finish Skyrim. Right, you're stuck there forever. You're just gonna say never finish. Yeah, you're you're just you're just stuck there, like power leveling smithing until the end of time. Oh God! Here it is, SCP five seven zero six. It is named all caps Skyrim speedrun prank five exclamation marks in parentheses gone wrong exclamation mark in brackets mm. gone sexual exclamation mark exclamation mark in the funky brackets not clickbait three exclamation marks that's a pretty good one if you're looking for a stupid scp to read that's a great one my second fave my second runner-up is zero five five which is it's one of the first like thousands so you know it's one of the good ones one of the classics right that one will always stand out for me because i only read it once um unlike 096 and 106 like the really famous ones um i've only really read it once and it's still one that sticks in my head um 055 is a large concrete box inside a larger concrete box with very specific instructions on how to contain it nobody knows what's inside the box mm. so it's mm. nobody knows what it is that's being contained but it has like such weird like specific instructions that it just makes it my one of my favorites. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's pretty great. Some, some dude was just flexing conditions. Yeah. Who knows if it's actually an SCP or some, you know, bullcrap that somebody came up with or what, but we'll never know. And then I think my favorite I'm just gonna put in my uh the easy answer, which is oh nine six the uh shy guy. I'm just gonna cheat and say that's my favorite because he's pretty good. The shy guy is the famous tall white man, the tall white male Me. yeah <laughs> tall white male with long claws that eats and kills everything if you look at him honestly that eerily describes me it does, yeah, except for the killing part because hmm. Uh, see, ramen. yeah. The truth is that we're actually we're actually all ghosts because Graydon killed us many years ago, and uh, yeah, we're we're just kind of still here. Spooky. Yep. Ooh. Yeah, those are my favorites for yeah. now. I'll say those are my favorites. Pretty good. Am I the only one that hasn't gone yet? Nobody else. Has no, gone. I haven't either. But. Uh. Go for it, Nick. Uh, well, I haven't read too many of them, but the ones I have read, the ones I really like are uh, Cain and Abel. They're two separate oh, yeah. ones. I I found uh, Abel, which is 076, and I'm not like into the Bible. Like, I'm not religious in any way. But, like, it's called I, religion, Nick. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm not hip to the Bible. Yeah, I know. But those are like characters from the Bible, right? Some along those lines. Yes. Yeah. Cain and Abel are Adam and Eve's children. Really? I don't know. Yes. Yeah. As I said, I'm not into the Bible. I'm not into that stuff. I don't know how the uh, SCPs are to like. The only. I don't know about Adam. Adam, are you religious? Mm. <laughs> Great response. Haven't really focused on it. Yeah, I don't think it's important. Uh, anyway, I just really like, like, because they're more fantasy-themed, yeah. and that's, like, my favorite genre of all time, 
like every book I read is fantasy themed, and that there's one uh, creature in a box underwater somewhere that periodically just breaks out and murders everything around it is pretty cool. And then there's one H.P. Lovecraft's Call of Cthulhu. I don't no. know if that's the book, but that's the game. Call of Cthulhu's the game, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what the book's called because I haven't read it. No, I don't really remember what Kane does. I'm trying to find him now. Kane uh, kills all um, natural life. That was Abel, 076. Oh. Wait, oh, right. Uh, Kane manifests weapons out of a spatial anomaly and yeah. is also nearly immortal. Yeah. He's the one who's just a murderator. No, one is a murderator. One is like a dude that they, that you can talk to. What? I remember it's a thing. In, Say it again, you broke up. One is a murderator, and one is a dude that you can talk to. Yeah, yes. Kane's the murderator. No, Kane other way around. Murderator. Abel is the guy you can talk to. Other way around. No. Abel's the murderator. Yes, I found it. I found Abel. He's 076, and it talks about how he broke out and murdered a lot of people. That doesn't Did make Kane sense. Did Kane kill Abel? Yes. Biblically, it's a revenge thing, I right? I don't care oh. about the Bible. I was just saying, I don't care about the Bible. I'm talking about the SCPs. In the, SCP well, the SCPs are based off of the Bible dipshit. Yes, I'm reading it right now. Okay. And Abel is the murderer. I have it in front of me, that Cubby. Well, Abel acts as, a mo as the monster he never was. That just reminds me of Bioshock Infinite. All right. If he's going to keep confusing SCP Foundation for the Bible, I guess I'm done. The SCPs are based off of the Bible. Yes, but you're saying the opposite of what they are in the SCPs. Right, because logically based on what they're based off of, it's assumed that the one who murdered his brother would be the murderator. Yes. That yes. was the confusion. And I told Cubby that's not the case, and I have it in front of me. He said, no, but in the Bible, blah, blah, blah. Yes, but you are very often wrong about things. Yes. I have it in front of me. Even when you have it in front of you, you have a way of being wrong. Because you read <laughs> half of stuff most of the time. You need to read half of this. Talks about how you murdered a bunch of people. <laughs> Nick, I'm just going to tell you this Yeah. Now. You do need to calm down just because you're peaking your microphone so very much. I was trying to talk and no one would let me talk. It's the only way I could talk. But you're That's not able stupid. to talk that way. <laughs> All right, Eddie, let's go. I'm done. I have nothing else. I, I was talking about it, and then Cubby kept bringing up the Bible and how it's the Bible and it's around. And it's not. That's it. I figured out my favorite. Let's hear it. Uh, five o three one. Just another, or yet another murder monster. Yes, I love that one so very Me much. Me too. He's so adorable. I don't remember what he does. He's invisible. He that cooks. Yes. Yes. I love him. He is amazing, and he should be loved by everyone. He is amazing. It's, ah, yes, you look like you're going to kill everyone. He doesn't look like anything. Hey. Your shadow looks like you're going to kill everyone. He does kill everyone until you make him happy. Until you give him good ingredients and he makes you the best meal you'll ever eat. Because he's amazing and a super nice person. Thing. Aside from the murder. Yes, he's very good. Hey. Listen. Some of the nicest people you'll ever meet are in jail. Poor martyr. And then how do you meet them, Cubby? I'm not going into that.
I found my other runner-up, by the way, which is the Crack Genie. Another good one. Crack Genie? <laughs> yes. The Crack Genie. Four, one, four, eight, one. It's wonderful. But it I, sounds wonderful. It's a genie that lives in, I believe he lives in a coffee cup or a vase. Um, who the whole idea is that basically he's a genie that, yeah, he's in a plastic recyclable coffee cup. Um, and basically whenever something is asked of him, uh, he gives it, he creates some form of it that's like not exactly what was uh, requested. So for instance, one example is item requested was one sandwich. Uh, the report says that he made the sandwich and then promptly ate it. Um, hmm. So it's basically like a genie that doesn't do quite exactly what it's asked to do. Um, but it's not like malicious. Uh, no. And, and part of the reason I love it, uh, there's two Why things. Why is it like a dyslexic genie? It's not a dyslexic genie. And the reason is because, as I was saying, like... first of all, the very end explains uh, like some very sad lore about it. Which is, uh, it always asks for drugs every now and again. Um, and at the very bottom, uh, there's this little section where it's like, yeah, so basically, I, I'm finding it again. I'm reading it, I'm kind of looking through it again. Basically, uh, the, the whole idea is that someone who originally found him wished that he were addicted to methamphetamine and then wished that he could, no lo that he could not manifest methamphetamine and then never spent their last wish. So he's kind of stuck in limbo. Uh oh. Yeah, it's it's wow. very like it's it's a very fun silly SCP and then it just has a really solid like serious tone to it and I I love it for that. I knew I was forgetting one. Um and then the other reason that this SCP sticks out in my mind is there's some fucking stupid one in like the 3 or 4000s that's a genie that comes from a spam can that is the exact same idea exact same thing but written uh not as well it's written worse than that right. one so screw that one screw the can of spam genie crack genie is all you need right i mean when you said crack genie the first thing that came to my mind is i didn't know a robin williams was an scp <laughs> robin williams was great he was also a crack genie. I don't care. Robin Williams will forever be my favorite I comedian. I said, also, I agree he was great. He was also, by definition, a crack genie. Yeah, and an alcoholic, but still. That was sometimes. Yeah. Most times. It just made him more funny mm. and sad. Let's get off that one. Yeah. Does anyone else have a favorite SCP to share? I have a lot, but... uh. If you're asking me to dwindle it down to one, yes. I'm gonna have to say my favorite would be um, 049, the Plague Doctor. Yeah. Just because I love the fact that it's not like ah yeah you're sick. It's no, you have the pestilence, and I'm going to cure you by killing you and making you better. And how he's so polite to people until he kills them. Mm -hmm. Just like it's. I will teach you with respect, and you'll be nice, and we'll be friends, but now I'm going to cut you up and make you into a zombie. My only problem with that one is I want it to make sense. Why? Because I he's not supposed to. He's insane. Yeah, I know. I and want French. him to make sense. And he's French, which well, just adds to his humor. Because 
I'm sorry for any French people, but listening to you talk is amazingly funny. I'm sure they would think the exact same thing listening to us. Right. Well, not amazingly funny, but... Entertaining. Nick, for sure. Where we last left off, the party of adventurers had been making their way through the Eternal Ward. Trying to make friends, trying to find a path forward, and trying to bring back their dead compatriots. But today, we have a little bit of a different focus. Regardless, I'm still going to introduce our little cast of characters. I play Ark, the High Elven Artificer Alchemist, who has replaced Mittens in our party composition. I'm Kara, the uh, Druid Barbarian Furbold that just wants to be friendly with Nine Charisma. Moon Druid, totem bar Bear Totem Barbarian. Yep. Oh, we're going subclasses now? Yeah, you guys are Ooh, high enough fancy. level. Okay. Technically, I had my subclass at level one. Right. Two. Just saying. Like, you had one of your subclasses. You had one of your subclasses. I'm flexing sorcerer. I don't get to do this often. I play Jean, the uh, College of Swords bard and draconic, or red gold draconic sorcerer. A drow. A drow. Yeah, that too. And I play Billy, William Kidsley, the satyr archfey warlock. And we had a bunch of other characters with them at this time. Obviously, we had Hillary, the tiefling barbarian of uh, the Path of the Ancestors. We had Ruffy Lee Zarksvaror, the Kanii Battlemaster fighter, and I think was just starting to pick up some Paladin. And... Yeah, because of the Zealot. Yes. And lastly, um, Gibdewil, the trickery domain cleric uh, of the goddess Merophys. Now today, I think we need to cover some of the background lore and uh, information surrounding the world, because there's a lot of stuff that was going on in the background at this point that we haven't really brought up because there's it's a lot to take on at once. Uh, especially in other conversations. So I think a lot of good things to cover is, especially with the, like, the fake corruption stuff, what that's actually done to the yeah. world. I think that's an important thing to kind of cover first and then go into other factors as we do that. Uh, but yeah, so basically, with the fake corruption, because I, I also want to hear your guys' if you have any questions on, like, what how I, like, figured out certain parts of it or how certain parts of it actually do work, um, and also your input on that stuff. But, like, I guess the right place to start would be with the corruption itself and what it actually, like, 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 uh, what it does to the magic of the weave and the magic of the world itself. That's okay. Um, Cubby dashed off to find his corruption sheet that he should have memorized by now. I'm surprised he hasn't. I still use it. Why do you use it? Because I still have corruption. Why? My items. That's cringe. Also, did you yeah, hear just, I lost the well night, bro? Good. Why? Oh yeah. Disintegration no cannons. You have advantage on spell saving throws. You mean having magic resistance? Why yeah. not? Because you don't need it. I already I have it from other things too, though. If I'm within five feet of a creature. 
uh, basically, the what the corruption does, as we're about to detail, is it actually creates a whole bunch of different effects, depending on how much of it is currently affecting you. Uh, so basically, as I said, I believe last time, or no, it was in the first episode I talked about the reason that uh, Rodrum died is because he had taken on too many levels of corruption, what we call pits. Yes. Um, the reason is because it, we basically fill out this little bar that once it once that bar reaches a certain point, you reach a new tier of corruption. At eight tiers, aka 40 pips, your character has to make a very high uh, DC saving throw. Um, a DC, my players do not know. They suspect they know it. But at this point, where basically everyone has passed it by now, I'm actually going to be revealing that in just a little bit. Uh, so that's Ooh. new information for them. Ooh. I'm going to guess it's 23. Damn, dude, you ex you nailed it exactly. It's twenty three. Did I really? Yeah, yeah. Let me let me bring it up real quick. Really? Yeah, I'm a genius. Dot. Chris did tell me a while ago because I live with him and he likes to share stuff. So right. I, he tells me a lot of stuff that I just never share. Right. So I I've known it for a long time, and like it's, I imagine Chris feels the same thing when when you're doing like the the corruption saves and you're like trying to get it like you get to 23 and you're like oh no it's not enough and you're frantically trying to boost it above by any means necessary it's and Chris I mean, is just sitting there going oh they passed yeah yeah <laughs> now watch as they waste more materials yeah like resources one i know us making sure our characters don't perma die how yeah, silly yeah. of us that's the thing. This was never meant to be like a... The whole idea was not to be an impossible DC at level 20. The entire right. idea was that this was a threat that was supposed to be around from the very but beginning. But it is possible to pass. Yes. Of course, at level 1, you can pass it. Would you want to try at level 1? Then at 20. Right. You wouldn't want to, like, risk it by any means. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. You mean we could have a 15% of your character living, but it's probably going to die. Right. Um, but yeah, so... Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. That's alright. Again. Yeah. Uh, so the wording of the saving throw is, on the eighth and final tier uh, of corruption, the spellcaster finally faces their massive magnitude of corruption. They must succeed on a saving throw against their spellcasting stat, DC 23. Um, but yeah, so basically the whole idea is that um, working up to that much corruption means obviously you've cast a lot of spells. Uh, but that's like the very last thing that actually happens as far of, as part of uh, Corruption. I think you guys actually have the more up-to-date version of what the um, Corruption rules are. Because originally... Oh, he has it right in front of him. Yes, originally sense. Uh, you took damage from uh, yeah. casting spells, which got ridiculous because yeah. uh, as Adam... and died. Yeah. Well, it was it was the fact that, like, as Adam explained, as a sorcerer, there were situations where he had to, in order to cast a spell, he needed to transform sorcery points into a spell slot, which he marked on his paper. He then expended the spell slot, which he marked on his paper. He then went and marked uh, off the pips of corruption, which he put on his paper, and then he marked off a point of damage, which he put on his paper. So it was just like more sorcery points yeah so it was just an absolutely ridiculous like annoying amounts oh, of having problem. to do everything 
Um, so instead, nowadays, uh, there is a different function of that, which is uh, conserving, I believe. And you have the, yes. you guys have the rules on yep. that, actually, because I don't have a copy of that handy. Yeah, I have. You want me to read that? Yeah, sure. Upon reaching the first tier, the roots and vines of the Feywild begin to wrap around the caster's arms, restricting them and causing disadvantage on all attack rolls, ability checks, and saving throws after you cast a spell. This can be removed by conserving as an action, bonus action, or your movement. Yeah, so basically, uh, at first, um, you can basically conserve and thus get rid of this penalty, uh, which is supposed to just be a minor uh, debuff until you take time to conserve, um, which you can basically do as any part of your turn. But as you get higher and higher tiers of corruption, it takes more of your turn in order to conserve. Yeah, like I believe... Uh... May I? Yeah, go right ahead. Uh, at tier three, conserving can only be or can't be done as a movement, meaning it's only action bonus action. Uh, at fourth tier, it can only be done as an action. And I believe at sixth or seventh, doesn't Keep it become going like... because conserving takes one minute at tier six. Yes. Yeah. And at tier seven, conserving takes an hour. Conserving becomes a lot harder to do, and thus. The corruption and the debuff just kind of capitulates into making it a lot more tougher for you to really do anything at that high corruption. Yeah. It almost becomes not worth it to try and conserve once it takes, like, an action. Right. I mean, honestly, so, you know, it's very specific because it affects different characters in different ways. Like, if you don't have a lot of bonus actions, it won't be a problem to conserve as a bonus action. Like, if you're a fighter, your only bonus action is, like, second wind. Mm -hmm. Um... Personally, for my character in specific, conserving was a pain to try and work around because I was designed to use every part of my turn as much as I could. So really the only time I was able to conserve was if I had movement free and only during like the first two tiers. So for me, it was like a huge pet like thing I had to worry about. But for like Billy... Where he could just be like, and hey, bonus action. Well, Kara, my bonus action was either entering rage mm. or wild shaping, which was kind of a bad setup on my part. But both also uh, get rid of the ability to cast spells. Yes. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. Most of the time, I'd cast a spell and then, and then do one, and then do one of those. Yeah. If it's concentration, like mm -hmm. uh, healing spirit, my. Probably my favorite spell in the game, as you guys all know. Probably because mm -hmm. it's the most powerful healing spell in the game. Yes. Well, one of them. No. Yeah. It is the most powerful healing yeah, spell in the game. Great. Bar yeah. none. Agreed. Like, Power Word Heal has nothing on this thing. It's pretty great. And for flavor-wise, it's a dancing bear, which is also pretty great. Um, But a couple of other things that Corruption does is I didn't want it to just be a debuff thing the entire time. Because then... I kind of wanted there to be a situation where some people would want to kind of risk themselves and some of their and just take like some debuffs in order to get some interesting little uh, buffs. So, for instance, at the second tier, I think this is still the same. You get like advantage on charm saves and can't be magically put to sleep. Yep. You um, get advantage yeah. on charm and uh, can't be magically put to sleep by fey related magic specifically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, probably the best upside you can get is uh, 
tier four where you can regain spell slots on a short rest equal to your proficiency bonus. Yeah. Once per long rest. Yeah, that's a pretty strong one. Um, and then, yeah, tier five is also pretty good. Uh, your magic has a random um, part to it. It's also so pretty bad. Whenever you cast a spell, roll a d20, and on a four or less, your spell affects yourself in addition to its other targets. So that could be situation. If you're a blaster, that is terrible. Oh, yeah. 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 That would have been funny as hell. If you are a healer, it's phenomenal. Fireball! I explode. Although, we don't really cast Fireball much at our table. No. I don't think... Any player characters cast it. I've cast it. You cast it in a joke. You cast it as a firework. No, that was Melf's. I use Fireball to get rid of charges. Yes. Yeah, as a firework. Yeah. I think that's literally the only way. I think perhaps the most important tier of corruption however aside from the instant death one is the third tier which i did not expect to be as ridiculous as it would become on the third tier of yeah absolutely game ending on the third tier of corruption you begin to draw the fae to your presence with the sheer magnitude of your corruption whenever you cast a spell there's a percent chance equal to 10 times the level of the spell slot expended to summon a fae creature hostile to your location that's all that ability says. That's all that that tier of corruption says. The main problem with it is what happens behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in order to figure out what actually this fey creature is, uh, requires a little bit of just kind of winging it and hoping the dice give a good result. Uh, I didn't make a table for this. I didn't have a table to use for this. This isn't exactly a rule in normal D&D that I could just steal something from. Um, instead, the metric was basically, okay, let's roll a d20, alright? That's the CR of whatever's being summoned. Now, allow me to just look through the books for a little bit and decide what stupid thing that is vaguely fey-related can show up of this CR according to this ability. Because why, like, scale that to the party or make it make sense in any meaningful way when I could just, you know, roll dice and see what happens? <laughs> this is the exact formula that lets yeah. you summon the Leviathan. Yeah. Yes. Something, something we'll Itch. get to later on. I will point out, mm-hmm. is not Fey-related. Right. Of course not. <laughs> It's a leviathan. But what yeah. else are you going to summon under the sea? A fey mermaid or something. I don't know. This leviathan. A pixie that you can go kill We can go kill it if we need to now. You can have fun with that. I'll I'm do it. fighting it. I'll fight it. I see it. I can shape change into it. I'm up for it. Great. Yeah. Plan that out, Chris. Yep. They're going to go yeah. leviathan hunting. Oh, yeah. I'm sure they can try. This was another. This whole tier was another reason why flying mittens was not going to work. Trying to heal the party and not summon things. Yeah, this very quickly became an issue with a in a couple of important situations that we're gonna get into the details of later on in the act in like the full recap. Um, yeah, when those come up in the story. But yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty much the actual like mechanic rules of corruption for you guys. Oh, aside from one last thing, which was, uh. When they passed, there's something that happens when they pass the save and when they failed the save. Um, 
initially the rules for failing the save are not only do you perma die, you get turned into a what's called a corrupted spellcaster, which I made a stat block for, which is just like a low CR spellcasting monster that is hostile to the rest of the party. Uh, I basically immediately scrapped that when road that happened to Rodrum. Uh, and he wasn't a spellcaster. Both because he wasn't a spellcaster, and because having some, even after the Dryad was, you know, not interested in you guys, having something else that could cast spells and had no intention but to kill you guys show up immediately at the end of that fight would have been bad. So, uh, you were already, like, mostly dead. And... Yeah. I was like, you know what, this doesn't need to be a rule. There's enough, you don't need to add that insult to injury. Right. Um, the, injury to injury. Right. The other thing that happens is if you pass the save, you get rid of all of your corruption, you go back to zero, and you get to choose a free fancy schmancy perk based on a little list that I made um, that gives you a bonus and forever. All very good. Yes, they're all... Do you want me to get that list out? No, that's fine. We don't need to get into the nitty-gritty of each of the perks. But basically, they're very overpowered because... I expected this to be something the party wouldn't want to try and do for it's a while. It's one of the first things we thought of. Yeah, once they were like once very... There are three, three perks. Yeah. Um, I figured it would be one of those things that like... The way it played out in my head was... Someone was going to get really high in corruption. And they were going to have no choice but to make the save. And when they passed it, they would all of a sudden get this super exciting perk that like the rest of the party didn't have access to. So they suddenly got this super cool bonus for, like, risking their lives there. Um, that didn't happen. The party was just like, hey, free things. No, that did happen. I'll take that. Until you told us that they were a thing. Right. Because that did happen, the dragon. You were like, there's a plus side. And I was like... The dragon? I don't think the dragon... The I green think... dragon pushed me to the corruption, which was the first corruption save we made. Yes, it was. That's where he it got was. the 26 and passed. Yeah. Okay. And that's I where totally we decided the DC for the rest of the game was 26. So we didn't want to risk going any lower than 26 because it was the only one we knew was a guaranteed pass. Mm -hmm. Okay. I... So therefore, we decided we had to make that to be safe. Okay. I yep. I guess I just kind of forgot about that because there was so much chaos going on at that point that I guess it didn't re-register uh, with me. Session, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Because that was before the spicy meatball. Yes, another uh, thing we won't get into for a little bit. Yep. Um, but yeah, so that's basically the nitty-gritty of the corruption rules itself. That's like the boring stuff, the like nerdy... Uh, I gotta jot down my three pips of corruption for casting melfs on my paper um, that are, my poor players had to deal with for many sessions until, yeah. they, until they got immune to it. Um, well, I'm still dealing with it. Right. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I mainly wanted to get rid of it to uh, get rid of the bookkeeping. That's fair. That's honestly... I'm bad fair. at writing, and the least writing I can do is better. Yeah. And that's why I memorized all my abilities instead of writing down on my character sheet. Yeah. Uh, but the other big thing that the corruption does, because it did a lot to, like, the world, is it created the cycles. Because I thought it would be very neat to have a world where regular seasons aren't so much a thing, and instead it is random, uh, like, well, cycles of weather. 
cycles of different events and different effects on the world. So I made a whole bunch of fancy little cycles that uh we've gone through a good amount. Yeah. We haven't gone through them all though. Nope. Some of them are pretty simple, but others have a bit more to them. So for instance, the Frost Knight, which I decided the party would uh the whole campaign would start in, is basically whenever you're traveling around and you're whenever you're in combat you're going to take a little bit of cold damage and you're going to need to keep making constitution saves to try and keep yourself warm and alive while out in this freezing super duper cold. Um, so it basically made it so that it was a good plot device initially to make sure that you guys kind of stayed around the town and didn't get yourselves murdered too quickly. Uh, it also did this nice little thing where I could... Uh, make it shift into another night nice and early on with a very different effect. So, yeah, the party kind of started in the Frost Knight. Uh, the other thing it did um, was it also gives advantage on history and religion checks, which is something that I think I added after the fact. It's just like a, a fun thing that just kind of happens in the background. Uh, but yeah, so that's like, that's one of them, which is a pretty simple one. And then there would be knights like the uh let's see what's my favorite one here i have a lot of favorite ones i like all of the ones that i made oh the shrouded knight which became a much bigger problem than anybody expected uh the shrouded knight is basically for like a week everything is dark it's extremely dark oh, out and nobody God. can see once nighttime comes it's magical darkness because there's no dawn magic items don't recharge because it's dark out Nobody can see. Something that is a very easy detail to completely ignore and forget about in some strange situations um, that led to a lot of encounters accidentally happening in pitch black environments where nobody could see. Yep. <laughs> I think if there were ever a film adaptation of the campaign, they would have to remove the Shrouded Knight from lore just because... It would just lead to like it'd just be a black screen with us yelling at each other. Yeah. No, they just do like the uh, found footage horror movie thing where everything's like green. Oh, that don't do that. That's terrible. Like first edition ultra vision. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then so that was basically like the variety between them is pretty simple stuff to surprisingly complicated changes to the world. Um, right. The there's also a couple that were just kind of broken, and that were meant to be broken. Uh, for instance, the good old Well Knight, my player's favorite. The Well Knight, the well Knight is everyone's favorite. The well Knight is perfectly balanced, although it's especially for warlocks. warlocks. Yeah. It is amazing for warlocks. I would have laughed if it still only gave you a first level spell slot. I mean, it, it would be another spell slot, so spell slot, that'd still be pretty damn useful. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it's not useful. Yeah, what's the bonus of casting Fairy Fire at fifth level rather than first? Well. Isn't it second? No, that's first edition. Yeah. I should know this. I have Fairy Fire innately, but I've cast yeah. it never. Yeah. I've cast it many times because it's one of the only good Archfey Warlock spells. That is true. Yeah. That and Calm Motions. Circumstantial. Um, but yeah, so the Well Knight, basically, as they just described, you get a free spell slot. First level, it's the first level spell slot that you can get. So for Warlocks, that translated to another packed magic slot which was pretty powerful for Billy the Warlock, um, but generally pretty powerful for everybody because getting an extra spell slot permanently 
is pretty strong. The idea of it is more powerful because it's Billy. Right. Yeah. He doesn't fair. cast any spells. No, he does. Blast! Well, he casts a cantrip. You can't upcast Eldritch Blast. Yeah. Uh, the other Until thing is... Until you cast it with action and bonus action, and then twice with your yeah, action, twice with bonus action. We're just talking. Mm-hmm. So, nice little the Something the that... The world hears you. No, the sun just dims slightly. Something that never really came up is... The Wild Knight also means that casting spells during that time doesn't cost any... give you any corruption. Right. But we already got rid of it before that came up. Yes. Um, also, we spent the entire time cramped up. Purifying items. Purify items. Oh, item corruption. Yes, that's something I was going to get into, too. But we can cover that right now, because it's basically everything on the cycles. is just a fun yeah, little there are different change of the world. I yeah. still like the uh, Feral Knight, because I get an extra wild shape. But mm-hmm. I like the Scorch Knight, even though we've never done it. I'm just glad the Cascading Knight hasn't happened yet. What is that? I'm not going to tell you what it does. All the time? I'm not going to tell you what it does. Just saying the, uh, what's it called? Uh, What's it called? No, the goddamn Faustic Knight. (laughs) I love the fact that we have umbrellas that our our, uh, party kind of has, and it's, we just walk around for the entire cycle just handing out umbrellas to people we like, and everyone else, we watch them get melted by acid. Mm-hmm. Now, you common people, nah. Instead, we'll just hand it to this to uh, this uh, barkeep that doesn't like guild business. Here's the thing. That was not the purpose of the umbrellas, and that we didn't have the umbrellas for that. I asked for enough umbrellas for the people in Uxradon, and then Kara took them all and yeah. gave them out to people in the world. That is true. That was entirely you. Okay. But why do people in Uxvedon need them? They're underground. No, Venus are on, first of all. Also, what if they went above ground? We have a nexus. This is all information that is completely useless to our viewers right now. It's fine. It's, it's, it's fine. Item yeah. corruption, yes. So basically, um, the thing is, with the weave corrupted, that means in this world that items were essentially corrupted very often as well. This most of the time manifested in... Whenever you attune to a magic item, uh, you permanently have a couple of extra pips of corruption from attuning to that item. Which was... Wow, attuned to it. Yeah. And the more rare the item, the more corruption it has. Right. The more powerful the item, because more magic. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but yeah, so it was basically just a here's, a... here's a bit of a debuff for having uh, more magic items, because... I'm somebody that likes to run a very high magic world. Uh, yes. So I give out a lot of magic items. And I give out a lot of weird stuff in the world as it is. Most of these are homebrew magic items, and they're amazing. Uh, so, almost a good amount. I think only like 40% of the magic items I've used in Campaign 2 were actually homebrewed. Uh, there's actually a, a large number of items that I just took from the DMG. Or, my favorite thing that I do is modify items to be a slightly different uh, variant of the one of the books. So, like, yep. um, what's, there was, I forget what the one was that we did, but there was a certain magic item that was a, a ring that we turned into a brooch, something like the that. The brooch of blasting. Brooch of blasting, yeah. I turned the circle of blasting into a brooch, which was just kind of a fun 
uh, little slightly flavor different effects. variation of it. Yeah, a little flavor thing. But the the thing about magic items having corruption that I kind of totally forgot about and never enforced on you guys is it's not just attuned items that have corruption. All items have corruption. Anytime you were supposed to, anytime that you used a magic item, in most cases, you were supposed to get corruption from using it. That's something that I totally forgot about and just kind of ignored as a rule as we went along. Huh. Yeah, so like every time that you say use a circlet of blasting, for instance, um, casting that spell would give you some amount of corruption because you used the I item. I thought it was because it didn't use a spell slot that it didn't. No, like that is already corrupt inside. It was a separate rule. It was a separate rule from like oh. using a spell slot versus not using a spell slot. Uh, the whole idea was that using any that I use that as an example, but like using yeah. any sort of magic item, like using its ability, would have given you corruption. So even like um, using uh, winged boots or attunement. So that's a bad example. Um, a folding boat, for instance. Cap of water breathing would probably just I'd give you that one for free. But like the folding boat, for instance. Dude, cap of water breathing is pretty good though. Anyways, my my point is more that like let's say you activated a folding boat and turned it into one of its different forms. Uh the whole idea is despite the fact that it's not an attunement item, it's not casting a spell, uh, depending on the ruling, you may still get corruption from transforming. But, again, that's a rule that I totally ignored because it would make things way too complicated. Uh, and I just generally forgot to enforce it every time, so it's fine. That one I was happy really to kill. Yeah. That one didn't need to exist. I'm glad it's dead. Yeah, I am too. I can't imagine the uh, taking a pip of corruption for every charge I use on the... Uh, Belt of Storms. Yeah. Laughs and Staff of Magi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That that one would be... be hell. Actually, no, that one doesn't have corruption. Yeah, that... Oh, but it's still casting spells. That's an important uh, distinction, is that the reason a lot of magic items are corrupted is because they were either made with the after the weave was already corrupted, in which case, obviously, you're taking from a corrupted source, the end result is going to be corrupted. Or the magic items had been suffused to the air, quote-unquote, for so long that they had just naturally accrued a lot of corruption. But that means in, like, a sealed environment or in special different uh, planes, for instance, the party managed to find magic items that weren't corrupted, which is, like, a, an extra shiny uh, find. So that's yes, it is. Or we would dig through a pile of corrupted trash and find a very corrupted item. Yep. Right, which is what I did. Yes, you. That is the thing that you did. Yeah, that's a shot. Mm -hmm. Very useful. Yep. Um, I'm trying to think what else there is as far as corruption goes that's important to cover. That's pretty well it. Yeah, that's pretty much it on the corruption side of things. So maybe the good place to go after talking about the corruption is the people that don't like the corruption. Like, really don't like the corruption. Everyone. Like, don't like the corruption at all. Like, have formed an entire order uh, that's existed oh, for centuries. Oh, the ones who don't like the corruption. Yeah, the guys who really don't like the corruption. The Order of Wardens who live in the Eternal Ward. And by that I mean they live in the Eternal Ward, the part of the continent 
as well as the Eternal Ward, which is the big citadel. The big citadel. But not the magic item. Yes, not right. the not the power source that creates the eternal ward, which is the large a field wall. that protects the material world from the Fey Reach. That's a good thing to explain. Basically, the reason the world isn't dead, and the reason our adventurers are able to travel around like a gaggle of idiots, is because of the existence of something called the Eternal Ward, which is basically this massive magical bubble, to make things very simple, a big old bubble around the Eternal Ward in the Nine Realms that protects it from the rest of the Fey Magics. Um, I might have already spoken about this previously, but it's important to note just like that is the actual mechanical reason why the world is still alive. I don't know if I ever went into some of the, spe the specifics around it, but basically um, part of the reason that the Eternal Ward works is the fact that it is a far enough distance away from... It's very close to where the Fey Reach actually originated from, that it is sort of near the uh, heart, so to speak, of the Fey Reach, uh, and thus because it's able, it's stagnant so close to its epicenter, that's why the Eternal, uh, that's why the Fey Reach hasn't necessarily spread like across the entire world. For instance, I don't know if that was ever revealed to you guys prior to this, but that's lore, baby. More lore. More lore than you can shake a stick at. I can shake uh, a stick pretty good, six. though. Rodrum dropped a couple. Yep. Yeah. Rodrum what happened? left quite a few sticks behind. More lore than you could shake a dead Rodrum at. Mm -hmm. Speaking of lore, another yes. thing that we might want to cover at some point here are the gods, the tomb makers. Yes. Just... That's another... I was thinking about that before. Um, I think I'll hey, give them not the only gods. They're the important gods. Yeah. They're the gods that I put effort into. Um, but yeah, so the Eternal Ward... Right. Uh, the Eternal Ward is ruled... Ruled is a weird word. Protected by the Wardens. The Order of Wardens. Uh, the whole idea behind the Wardens is... They are these people who train for years upon years upon years to become extremely powerful warriors. And they are the ones that are specifically taken from areas inside of the Eternal Ward, as in the continent, uh, plucked from uh, their homes and families and everything there, and trained into the Wardens themselves, who are basically the biggest badasses in the world because in a world where corruption kind of kills anybody who's not strong enough having a group of people who is strong enough is pretty darn useful they were yes Asterisk. they were really strong we'll get into that for... we'll we'll cover we're why we're going to get into that for what 30 episodes yeah it's quite a ways away but so is a lot of stuff that we bring up so, you know, what are you going to do aside from hint at it slightly? Um, hey, it gives people a reason to listen to them. Yeah. Uh, right. Them as in us. But yeah, so the, the Wardens basically, they train their entire lives to become these soldiers. Uh, and once they reach a certain level of prestige or 
having proved themselves against fighting Fae and other things that are trying to invade the Eternal Ward itself. They are presented a badge of honor in a magic item that is totally free of corruption. That is considered as like their badge of office and like the main magic item that they're expected to use in their line of duty. Uh, so for instance, the first warden that the party met was the warden that protected the small town of Gale Peak. He had a uh, magic warhammer called Cinder Heap, I believe. Cinder Heap. Yeah. Cinder Heap, yeah. Death basically, expire. Yeah, it was a pretty strong hammer. Uh, the party gave it away back to him because they were like, we don't deserve it. That was Gib. I don't use items. Okay, he gave it to Gib because Gib was the only one that would use it. I mean, I couldn't because I it wasn't a natural material. Mm-hmm. You couldn't because you have eight, six strength. Eight or... What's your strength? Nine. He has nine strength. I'm running all accounts. Maybe it was eight. I don't know. I'm just one. And then no one else was really a strength also, character. I wasn't going to use a hammer anyways. Yeah, so Gib, Gib our cleric, was the only one who was going to use a hammer. And Fillory. He, he... Fillory, right. Why didn't we give it to Fillory? He wasn't there. Great oh. question. Uh, he wasn't there. Um, the other thing I remember is that Gib did not have hammer proficiency by rules. He had to ask you if he could have hammer proficiency because he hung out with Tara for so long. Yes. And, and then he gave away the hammer. Mm-hmm. My main weapon is a maul. Yes. So he was like, wait, so could I have hammer proficiency because of this reason? And you were like, yeah, I'd allow it. And he was like, nice. And he swung Here's it once. Here's the hammer back. Yep. He swung it once. Yeah. And I mean, he guiding and missed. The whole, the whole idea behind the warden giving you guys a hammer is having a magic item early is a very, you know, useful thing. This is something that I will say many times that this podcast is not for information on how to learn how to DM. That being said, I will be totally blunt and say I think I'm a pretty good DM. Which means Second. this this yeah. uh this advice I have here uh is good advice, which is when you have to get to the point where the party needs magic items in order, uh, magic weapons in order to overcome resistance and things, uh, don't bother being like, oh yes, your first magic item. It's a dagger. Here you go. You're welcome. Take this magic right. dagger. Because, and I'm not even making fun of like anyone in particular. Every campaign I've ever been a part of, the magic the first magic weapon the party finds is a dagger because it is the least damage it is the least dangerous weapon it is the least valuable weapon that you'd realistically enchant but it's still a magic weapon so you know you got to use it but no don't right. don't bother with that logic because the whole idea is you're trying to give that first magic weapon you're trying to give them something useful not something for to just pass over the barrier if you're gonna, if you need to give them a magic weapon to help them actually do damage to something, it should have a cool something to it. So the Cinder Heap, for instance, was this massive black warhammer that had like lines of like embers and molten magma around the head of it. It did a little bit of extra damage. It might have been powerful for them at that level, but it 
it's a cool first weapon that helps to kind of set us part a it's like it sets that as your first weapon that first cool weapon that you get you're gonna remember that at least a little bit if they had bothered to hold on to it that kind of sticks in your memory more than oh yeah that dagger that's allowed me to just barely hit this ghost um, i mean we remembered it to be fair the second magic weapon we got was much more memorable was it if i'm correct in assuming that it was israel uh be the sword of vengeance and then israel uh yeah I... okay so yeah they were both pretty memorable yeah one was legendary mm-hmm. but legendary its own way uh kind of vestigy we're not going to get into that right now because i think we could do a whole uh recap on the weapons that we've you guys have used um but matthew mercer matthew mercer i will thank you for many things i can never thank you enough for the idea of vestiges because even just the general idea of a magic item that evolves with the player is perfect it's it's the perfect thing it is an excellent idea right. i love it it's i can never i can never give enough praise for that um but enough of that basically giving praise we've yeah, given enough yeah we've talked too much about other people um but yeah so the eternal ward and the wardens the whole idea is that they are duty bound for eternity to give their lives to fight the fae it, their views on things are not a this is a war it's not a a position of we need to win against them we or we need to protect the people from the fae their view, point of view is this eternal ward this powerful magical bubble no matter what happens is going to be around for a long time so our job is to make sure that nothing happens to shorten his lifespan by any drastic amount hence the eternal warden the wardens have this kind of air of being like oh well it's the many over the few kind of deal but it's in reality it's more of this idea that yes we might be letting some bad stuff happen this may not be the perfect solution for the people right now the kingdoms rise and fall this whole continent destroying fey thing on the other hand that's not just going to go away that's going to be around forever so the eternal ward has to be around forever to stop it that's kind of their point of view on things which is why when the party often mistook them for people that were just going to jump in and save the day on random occasions that's why that didn't happen except for specific individuals who we'll be getting to next time we recap the story um who did do that but we don't need to talk about him for now i miss him even though he hated me uh there were two hymns i guess there was that hymn and then the hymn that is still around yep the hymn that we probably embarrassed a little bit you're kidding right he loved having you guys there at that ceremony anyways it's a good thing Kara just stood in front of everyone like, no one say a fucking thing. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, so I can imagine Gib walk, walking up there just like, I haven't talked, I haven't adventured with you a lot, but what I did, we only killed a couple people. Mm -hmm. Abia, one last thing to uh, touch on before we finish this up, uh, this little lore dump episode, is although it doesn't fit fully, I do want to kind of talk about the gods, like Adam brought up earlier. 
uh, because I, I did put a lot of time and effort into them, so I'd be happy to talk about them a little bit. Uh, going to this, I had just gone through two long campaigns, the two campaigns I did before this, where I hadn't paid much attention to the deities of the worlds we were using, or like any making a specific pantheon with a lot of effort and time put into like the ideas of it and the aesthetics and the gods themselves. Um, so it was always kind of like something I didn't pay that much attention to. Uh, for this campaign, I went all out on creating a pantheon, which is how the Tomb Makers came to be. The Tomb Makers were this, uh, are this uh, pantheon of gods that are very Egyptian adjacent, whose whole shtick is that they're very in tune with the act, like they're very similar to uh, the people of the Ward and the Nine Realms in a way, because in this world that has been ruined by the Fey Reach, that is in this dystopia, unifying and being together, not getting into petty squabbles over little things, is more important than anything. Over anything else, people have to stick together, as do so do their cultures, their religions, that sort of thing. That's the idea of the Tomb Makers, which is why in connection with their whole Egyptian uh, aesthetic, the tomb that they actually create is the idea that all of the old gods, quote-unquote, all these random deities picked and pulled from different worlds and different uh, realms and uh, stories that players and adventurers use, they can't be randomly venerated because you're just creating a thousand, uh, countless of these powerful deities that have a few followers that can randomly cause disastrous consequences in the world. The Tomb Makers are a unified pantheon of gods whose ideals are if we do not worship these other gods and we, do, and we take away the power of these other gods, we can unify the belief and the strength of society as a whole into this pantheon and into making sure that there is order, there is some sort of justification for why things happen in the universe. Because it, no. even if it's like a, oh, the gods just demanded it, it's not you wake up every day and there's, you know, disastrous things and random chaos happening because different gods decide different things today. That's kind of their whole ideals. That recap really actually just clarified for me how the uh, god we just met ended up the way he is. Um, yeah, I really didn't put two and two together. I wasn't because of them. He's no. very specifically not because of them. No? Because yeah, it's kind of a separate thing. He explained that when he showed up. Corruption is corruption even under a different name. Right. Right. Never mind. Yeah. The Tomb Makers were a good way for me as the DM to be like, hey, stop worshipping all these random fucking gods and making me have to do research on what they are and where they're from and everything. Um, All praise Lantor. Yeah. Lantor uh, never existed. I, he existed to me. I do. That doesn't mean anything. He never he existed. so angry about little things. I do find it I'm funny. I'm angry. I do find it funny that I made this whole pantheon. For this whole reason. And then certain people, not going to name any names, but... <laughs> uh, just decided to add their own random deities and make me do 
some research anyways. Uh, that was neat, but, you know, what are you going to do? That we haven't used at all? Right. Because, well, there's, there is a reason that we haven't used them, there's... and it's because we have used yeah. them, just in a different way. I just chose dragons. Yeah. But no, the world didn't have any dragons in it. Yup. I willed them into existence. Mm -hmm. Warlock said Archfey, so I said, I follow an Archfey, I guess. Yep. Oh, yeah. So, uh, weirdly enough, the Tomb Makers, despite having been created and supposed, and despite them having the supposedly being powerful deities in this world, uh, in the Lives of the Adventures, did very little in the beginning of the campaign. Um, there was one person who actually worshipped the Tomb Makers in any capacity. That was Gibduil. Now, guys, we finally get to touch on the irony of Gibduil. So, who would like to? Who wants to take it? Who wants? Who wants I, this? I'll, I'll let someone else do it because I, I, I explain things before. Adam. Uh, sure. So, Marathes is a god of loyalty, trust, marriage, bonds. But the subclass that Gibbs player chose was trickery. And on top of that not being too much of a fit, I distinctly remember him doing some, you know, even if he wanted to reflavor the subclasses, I would get that too. But I remember him doing some stealing and preventing us from doing things uh, out of mistrust of us saying that we would protect ourselves in a fighting pit a bit later in the campaign. Uh, yeah, if there's anything anyone else wants to add on. Another quick thing to add is that he is a trickery cleric following the goddess of marriage and bond and loyalty. Um, but completely overlooked Basul, the mm. goddess of, or the god of trickery. Goddess. Yeah, she's a And goddess. deception. Either way, I don't remember them. I don't know them. You could. She tied your shoes together. Congratulations. I'm glad you bring that up every time her name is said. You forget, Gene is an atheist. Yep. Even yeah. though he's met the tomb makers no, before. He's an atheist. He does not believe in them. Yeah, he looked at them and thought to himself, I don't believe in you. He looked the gods dead in the eyes and decided, no, <laughs> you don't exist. One more thing is that, like, he I'm pretty sure he chose that god randomly. And his only reason for picking Trickery Domain, just at all, was because he wanted to be like men in black because they got modify memory if i'm correct yes. i think he chose trickery because he was going to be a rogue mm -hmm. and decided to be a healer but then he was like i still want to be a rogue and the reason he chose marathes was because like his bond with his sister or loyalty sister whatever granted he was also best friends with Kara, who in his uh description specifically despises people that lie to him and betray his trust which mm -hmm. Gib has done multiple times. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. And Kara has done to us multiple times. Yep. 
Yeah. But that is to be talked about later. Yes. And speaking and about Billy later, has expertise in deception. Speaking and about Billy is bad at most things. Except for deception. And Especially talking to people right now. And speaking about was... later. And speaking about later. Uh we're two and a half hours into this thing. I think that's about oh, time that we shit. wrap it up. Yes, I... please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of talking, although there's there's quite a bit to cut out because we had a pretty long break in the middle, but still. Uh, yeah, that was a nice long chat about our campaign and whatever else we talked about in the first half. Alright, <laughs> it's all white noise. Yeah, it's all a blur. Um, but yeah, so thank you everybody so much for listening to Gwilenshi Gathers, episode number three. If you made it this far into the podcast, thank you. And part of me wonders why, but part of me is also really grateful and doesn't want to ask why. You know, we accept everybody. It's it's super cool that you've made it this far into the podcast. Like, Thank you very much. Um, you've made it so don't far. Find something better to do. Right. Yes, please. Uh, you've, made, have you've made it so far into the podcast that you get to hear the plug section, the most exciting section of the podcast. Because it's where Ooh. I talk about all the things that I have, and then my friends are like, yeah, I have nothing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'll start with my long list of plugs. Uh, you can find me on YouTube, on Twitter, and on Twitch as Alfie Sprocket. That is A-L-V-E-S-I-E underscore S-P-R-O-C-K-E-T. Uh, I post a lot of stuff on YouTube pretty regularly. I tweet around about things occasionally mostly just when uploads go up and someday i'll stream on twitch when i have internet that isn't hot garbage um yeah also listen to this podcast because it's really cool and my friends are here yeah that's my plugs yeah, yeah. i just want to point out i love silence chicken huh yeah, silence chicken. Oh. <laughs> we basically just sit in silence for forever, can bear it the longest, and then we all talk at once. Yeah, it's great. And then we all, and then we go. Oh no, no, no! You, 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 you first, you first, you first. You first. Yeah, and then we start again. <laughs> and then you start again. Yeah. I think I think we just figure out the name for this episode. So, thank you, silence chicken. Mm -hmm. Yep. Oh, what are we gonna use for the bleeps? Oh, jeez. I don't know. Something like... Just Chris saying sploosh. Sploosh. <laughs> That's what I thought of earlier. Maybe. I had a couple of ideas. Interesting... I'll put in some of my choices here. We didn't need to bleep anything out, so... wouldn't bother. There you go. We didn't hear them, but... I will in the future. I'm hearing them in my head right now. I really like... Is this still an op an option? That didn't go through. I'm assuming it's the scientist stop. Nope. It's me yelling. Uh your so, mic the mic it's, it's, it's not going through. That. It's not going through because Discord has decided you are annoying noise and I would like to agree. Yeah. Makes oh, sense. Off. Nick. <laughs> oh. Plug. It's gonna quiet up. Oh, I have nothing. Nothing? Nothing to plug? Nothing. Nope. Nothing. I have things, but if I can't find them, neither can you. So, good luck. That's a challenge. 
Find me. Uh, I'll plug. If you can find me, it's either by Shrubby the Goblin, which you'll find about later. Uh, also, Yargish Narble, if you can learn how to spell that, good luck. Find me. Yargish Narble? How do you spell what? that? He just said he that's just... for the yeah. that's for the viewers to find out, and you now too. Good yeah. luck. Your mission, if you choose to accept it, learn how to spell that. Once again, I wish you luck trying to find my eye funny that the uh, picture is a cat drinking out of a toilet. Um, I refuse to say the name of it. Uh, also, there is now an Instagram. When this will go up, there'll be an Instagram of. Uh, Cub.bear.77 and it's just gonna be nerd shit. And that is C U B is it C U B space B A R? Nope. C U B period B E A R period seven seven. Go on and yep. check that out for all your cubby surprises. It's just gonna be nerd shit. Nice. Congratulations, Adam. You've ruined my Reddit search history. <laughs> What did I do? Now it's just Yargo Schnarble searched five different times in different spelling. Uh, I'll put it in the Discord chat. <laughs> nice. I guess I'm not going to be able to look at the Discord one because I kind of want to figure out how to spell it myself. Oh. Do it. Do it now. Right. Um, I was going to say, we didn't declare war on anybody in this podcast. That's how we should end the episode Ooh. is figuring out someone to declare war on. Uh, we kind of did yeah. declare war on somebody. Didn't we declare war on Harry Potter at one point in this podcast? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not Harry Potter, because the books are pretty good, but the fandom is bullshit. Uh, that's not what I declared war on. I think I just declared war on the word. Uh, take that as you will. I decided I decided the fandom... I don't care if they kill me. I don't care what kind of death threats I get. Fight me, Harry Potter fandom. Yeah, fuck you, Harry Potter. Good night, everybody.